Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Late Flag, the aftermatch uh, podcast of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Tonight, I'm joined, I'm your host, Les Lawson, and tonight, I'm joined by Tom Keegan, Pete Warburton, as normal, and also our guest tonight is Ben Kent Jr. And tonight, we're going to talk about Liverpool's superb 3-1 home win against West Ham, and also preview the upcoming, and I'm still old school, so we'll call it League Cup, game against Leicester City at Anfield on Wednesday. So, first of all, I'll start with you, Pete, saying that you were conspicuous by your absence after the uh, after the game on Thursday, and ask you what you made of the team news with you know, Matip and Gomez both keeping the places, Ibu on the bench, starts for Nunes and Diaz, and an unchanged midfield. So, what did you make when you heard make of it when you heard the team? I think yeah, prior. I think we were travelling to Anfield in the car. I think prior to the team being announced, we all more or less got that right. I think. I mean, I I think one or two of the lads said maybe Canarsi might come in, um. But I think generally we, I think we got the team probably spot on, and I was quite pleased. I was glad. I was glad Nunes made the start again. Um, I think Salad and Diaz was were going to be starters anyway. Um, there were. I think there was talk that maybe Trent would be fit, but obviously this is a game too <clears throat> too far for him. So whether he'll whether he'll get a run out on Wednesday or they'll save him for the Tottenham game, I don't know. But we were quite pleased with the eleven uh, starters when they when they named the team. I thought it was a good strong side. Ben, were you were you surprised that Ibu in particular didn't get a start today, especially after you know improving his fitness in in a way, you know in the game. You know, last Thursday, or do you just think it was a case of right? You know, we don't want to push him too soon. And Matip's done quite well since he come back into the side, so we can just bide our time with Dibu. I think so, Les. I must admit, if if he was fully fit, which I'm still not sure he is, I think he is the first choice to go alongside Van Dijk. But we've just got so many games, haven't we, coming up, and we've had a few games in the last week or so. And his fitness record just isn't great, so I, I get the impression that we're managing him. Um, but like Pete just said, like I was, I, I got the team mostly right. I didn't think Canate would start. I thought the defense would be as it was. I just thought that Gakpo would have started rather than Nunes. Not that I wanted that to happen. I just thought that with him playing the ninety on Thursday, I thought it was unlikely that he'd start. But yeah, got the team right, didn't he? He did. And Tom, it was another say slow start from Liverpool, and you know in the first sort of ten fifteen minutes, you know I think Antonio missed a real good chance for them. And prior to that, I can't remember which West Ham player it was, but Allison produced an absolutely top class save, you know to from a header, the the push that took the ball out for the corner. So again, you know Liverpool took a while to get to get going. So what did you make of the start? Yeah, I, I agree, Les, yeah. I thought it was, I think it was Sauchi or S-O-U-C-E. Yeah, you know, like this, uh, the big tall, is it the centre-back? Duchet. Um, yeah. Duchet. Yeah. It was him who headed it and it was a brilliant save, absolutely brilliant, unbelievable save by Alison Becker yet again. But, um, yeah, I, I think it, it 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 you don't know whether the travellers took a little bit out of them going into the game, Les. And um, I, you know, with it being a Thursday and then playing straight away on on, on the Sunday, but I, I thought Liverpool did start slow. But you sometimes you you've got to give a little bit of credit to the teams that uh, you, that you're playing. I thought they started well. They, they got about Liverpool very quickly, and um, they had a couple of chances, which, as I say, did. That he missed, but we you'd always felt that Liverpool would get back into it, wouldn't you? You know, like and Ali had kept them in, and so we was always going to be, was always going to be, you know, want we get our foot on the ball eventually. And again, what I was saying to the lad, to me lads, as later on after the match, it's a it's a relatively new midfield which is bedding together. Although Curtis has been there, I don't think McAllister's played that many times with his suspension. So I, I think it's you've got three three players who are joining together. So it's just taking a little bit of time to get going. But 
overall, yeah, I thought we, we started quite slowly. Yeah, Tom, that save from Alisson today. Do you remember in the past I've spoken to you about a save that Ray Clements made from, I think, a fella called Alf Wood? Um, yeah. It's Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. Well, that, that save from Alisson today is as close to a save I've ever seen it, similar to that one, except Clem actually held his. And I'm not taking anything away from Alisson's save today. I'm just saying that Clem held it. But that I was right behind that save. And as soon as I edited it, he edited it. I just thought that's it. And you know, that save is right up there for me, with one of the best I've seen. And I even think it was a much better save than the one he made against Newcastle. Um, because this one was low and into the corner, and and they're they're the most difficult saves a goalkeeper. But what what a what a goalkeeper this this as I say. He's as close to Clem as he ever as he ever could wish to see, and that 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 is praise enough, as far as I'm concerned. And I'll move on to you now, Pete, and just think that you know after the sluggish start, Liverpool Liverpool seem to to get in the stride, and and brilliant play by Nunes and Diaz, you know, set up you know, um, the, the the penalty incident, and it looked. I mean, obviously, I'm in the cup. You'd have had a better view of it from where you were with your with your main stand ultras. You know what I mean? So I just thought, look the clear penalty from where I was. They didn't seem to protest. And then, you know, after after my rant on Thursday about most salary and penalties, there he was stepping up again to take it. And I have to admit, I the fact that he scored, I still don't think he should have took the penalty. But fair dues to him he did and he scored and I wanted him to score. So what did you make of the incident, Pete? I think it was probably our first real attack, wasn't it? Like you say, West Ham started brightly. And, you know, there was the good save that Ali, well, the great save that Ali made. I think Antonio missed a decent chance as well. Uh, And really, it was probably our first meaningful attack. And I was more or less dead level with it. And as soon as he cut inside and, and went over, I mean, to a man, we were all up in the stand. We were all convinced it was a penalty. Uh. And if it was reviewed at all by VAR, it didn't take too long to <clears throat> for VAR to substantiate the, you know, what the referee had made. But I'm, I'm, I, I thought maybe Nunes would have got the nod after the penalty that he took in last because he, he it was a really good penalty right in the corner, literally in the side netting if you want, uh, when he when he got that. But I think I, I think we've argued the toss well before this with regards to penalties. And I remember when Fabino was still with us, I think Les put his name forward as possible, you know, the penalty taker. Um, but I think what what, um, what Mo did correctly today, he just lashed it, to be honest. It wasn't trying, there was no real placement, if you want. It wasn't a side foot. He put his, his, his laces through it. And I think um, it was, I, I think looking at the side, I've not seen a replay of any of the goals yet. Looking at it from side on, it looked pretty central in the goal. I don't know if it, if it went one side or the other. But um, it was just what we needed. As I say, we were not sluggish to start, but like Tom was saying, you know, West Ham, West Ham are technically a good football team now. They've got some really good players. And I was saying to me, lad, at the game, I said, you know, the old the West Ham of old used to come and try and get away with a one or two nil defeat. And that was a victory for them, you know, in 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 sense that they didn't get hammered. Pardon the pun, but um, the West Ham that we see now are a very, very good technical side. He's got them playing really well, Moyes. And it was just what we needed to get things, you know, to not steady the ship, but at least get a bit of confidence going forward. Because, as I say, they'd had those two two chances early on and they could well have been ahead before we scored, you know. Yeah. So, I'll come on, move on to you now about the next. I thought Liverpool then played well for the next sort of period of the game and we're keeping West Ham at arm's length. And we had we had a goal disallowed, which the linesman seemed to stick his flag up right away. But maybe it was a bit closer than we thought in the cop because it seemed to take you know a good couple of minutes for them to decide that it was offside. And I know you today were still you know on the injured list recovering from your knee operation. So you know, you, you failed the late fitness test to be able to go to Anfield today. 
So what? Mm. I know you watched the game anyway, but what did you make of that? It was Curtis, I think, was it? He was offside. It was Curtis, yeah. It was very, very close as well. You know, Les. It was, it was, it was quite. You know, like he was off, but like, but just it was much closer than you thought. Can I actually say? You know what Peter said about about most penalty? He put it to the side of the keeper, and the keeper dived the wrong way. It was yeah. like you actually smashed it, like you said, it was brilliant. But I, can I say, I thought Kavana had a brilliant game today. I really? Yeah, I did. I just think he. I don't think he got you, the, most of the fouls when you're watching it in the match and you see them happening. Most of the things he got today, he got right. Do you know, like you know, like I think overall he wasn't fussy. He tried to let the game go when it when it was what's it called? You know, like and at that. Very rarely would I ever say I thought Kavana had a good game, but sometimes you'd have to you'd have to say, and he got the penalty spot on. It was a stone wall penalty, you know. Like it, you know, there was no. I don't think they really, even if they looked at it, they only looked at it for a fraction of a second. It was definitely a penalty. But we did. We started the midfield started to get a grip, didn't we? We started to press. I thought. McAllister got more into the game after the first 50. I thought the first 15 minutes, he looked a little bit lost. After the first 15 minutes, him and Curtis got a, a, a little more closer. He started to press a lot more quickly. And then we started to close them down. We were winning the ball quite quite often and turning it over quite often. Be interesting to see how many times we won you know, balls in tackles with McAllister. And I think I'll ask Jed that later, but he seems to win an awful lot today. And um, yeah, as you said, I thought from that moment on, I think mainly, although they, they did get a goal, but you you felt that goal was against the run of play, wasn't it? You know, it was more brilliant goal, by the way. Brilliant goal. I, you know, like, and Alison nearly got to that as well. But, um, you know, like, we were in ascendancy then. We were, we were control. I thought we were in more control of the game. From that moment, Ben, I thought that their goal come at a time where Liverpool sort of was struggling to to get the ball away, and as I remember it, there was a a ball got played out on the halfway line that that Mo sort of tussled with the West Ham sort of defence, and the West Ham players come away with the ball, and and then it just seemed to to go out wide. There was a really good cross in, and I have to say. It was a hell of a header by Bowen, and it's a player I know that you've mentioned before that you, you know, you really like, you know, and, and if Mo, you know, did, you know, depart at the end of the season, which you all hope he doesn't, you know, did he be a player that you consider, you know, his replacements? I thought that goal was a superb header. He put it in the one place that Ali couldn't get it, and Tom's right, you know, to me, it did come against the the run of play. So, what did you feel? I thought both of the first goals came against the runner play, to be honest with you. I thought the first, the first 20, 30 minutes, West Ham were the best team. Um, we're playing the ball around really well, which is not what you associate with a David Moyes team, is it? But he, he's got some brilliant players in that team now like that, that would grace most teams, like Pekata, Pekita, whatever his name is, and... Bowen, who you just thought about, I think Bowen is brilliant. I, I really do think he's brilliant. And I I hope to God that he isn't, we don't need him to replace Mo Salah. But if Mo did go, then he'd be high up on my list to replace him. And yeah, the their goal, it was one of those things, wasn't it, where it was a, a long ball up to Mo and you're thinking, don't let it bounce, don't let it bounce. And he did. And as soon as it bounced, he'd lost the ball because I think he was surrounded by two of them. But what a goal it was. It was one of those goals. I actually clapped it on the cop. Not many people did by me, but I did clap it because I thought sometimes you just can't do anything about goals. You've just got to hold your hands up and say, that's that's a bloody good goal. Like You, you can't do anything about it. You put it somewhere that no goalkeeper would save. And um, going back to the earlier chance by West Ham with that save from Ali, that didn't get the recognition from the cop, did it? Because of what just happened before, where they sh- we should have had a free kick. Um, and I think we were all just moaning at the referee. You know, uh, Tom's just been saying about the referee having a good game. I think he did have a good game overall, but I think he got that one wrong. Um, but that save from Ali, 
it's just making it so normal, isn't it? You're not shocked by it anymore. I, I don't agree with you, though, um, Les, that you think it's a better say than Newcastle one. I think that Newcastle one was was right up there, but that one today was still brilliant. Um, but it was a really... The, the first half, I thought, as soon as we scored um, against a little bit against the runner play, I thought we were controlling the game a little bit more then, and then we could have gone on and got gone in a 2-0 up at half-time. But I think 1-1 was probably a fair reflection of the first half, really, um, because we did look a little bit sluggish after the European game on Thursday. And the last time we were in, well, not the the last time under Jürgen, but the, the times before when we were in the Europa League or UEFA Cup, we always struggled on Sunday, didn't we? No matter who we played at Anfield. I remember under Gerard Houllier, we always used to struggle um, on a on a Sunday after the UEFA Cup. So to get the, the points today, I thought was really impressive and we keep on passing these tests don't we of the the teams that we're playing against we haven't had a, a particularly easy start when you look at it really and bar the first game of the season against Chelsea we haven't dropped any points and we haven't really like the Newcastle game I say was a bit of an anomaly we looked like we weren't going to get anything in that for the most part but all the other games we've looked like relatively comfortable and I said to my dad when we were walking out to the cop today we didn't have any performances like that last season where we were harassing them um, all through the game. When you watched it, that was what we were good about under Jürgen, under the first five years of his manager, when we just attack as one and then press as one. And we didn't do that at all last season. And to see it against a good West Ham team, I walked out to the cop and I thought, we're looking good here. We are back. So it was it was one of those moments where you walk out the cop and you think this this has got a good look to us now this season and you know you never know what's going to happen but I think we're in a good place. Pete, I totally agree with what Ben said there that that's probably <clears throat> the best West Ham team that I've seen in Anfield probably since I would say nineteen the the nineteen eighty five eighty six team that really pushed us and Everton all the way. You won the league title that year when they had the likes of Frank McAvenny and Tony Cotty up front. I thought, technically, you know, they, they played some really good football and they've got like a decent squad of technical players and they seem to have bought really well, you know, to replace, you know, Declan Rice, who was by far their, their best player. So, you know, for Liverpool to, you know, after the sluggish start, you know, for Liverpool to sort of, and I agree with with what Ben said, you know, we went in at one, one and a half time. You have to say that was a fair result. There was some Liverpool players who were thought struggling in the first half. Louis Diaz being one, um, it, it, it couldn't seem to really get into the game. And I don't know whether, you know, that was just from my position in the cup, but a few people around it were saying, you know, exactly the same thing. Um, but I thought, again, in the first half, I thought Joel Matip, and Joe Gomez were both very good. So what what did you make of first of all West Ham? And did you think that one one, you know, as sort of Ben said, was a, a fair result, you know, based on the you know, the the play in the first half? Yeah, I mean I was I was looking at the clock and it was like 35, 38, and I was thinking, not that not that they were battering us, but like Ben said, they were they are a good side, West Ham these days, you know. I think the um, the West the the Man City game at Roma Pass. I think they played some lovely football. I remember watching the Brighton game and the counter. I, I was saying to me, lad, a kickoff. You've got to be careful of these, the counter attacking. Um, I thought I thought McAllister struggled a little bit at the start of the game. I thought he was not getting picked off with. I think he was trying to beat players in the wrong areas, if 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 that's correct, you know, because he sometimes plays that deeper number six and sometimes you don't want him to try and shimmy past one or two players you know you need to need to be a bit more pragmatic in that um but i think i think what helped us with that midfield was something we've we've mentioned time and time again is that we've now got legs in that midfield and that enabled us to close them down and i thought Curtis jones put a hell of a shift in today i know we were in the pub we had a pint after the game 
and there was a couple of fellas by us and they were sort of having a go at Curtis Jones and we said, well, you know, I don't know what they expect of the lad, but he put a hell of a shift in today and it was a shame that it, I thought his goal was going to be allowed because the VAR seems to go on for a couple of minutes and the longer it goes on, that means it's a very tight decision. And it would have been good if he did it. If similar to a goal, I think he scored against Spurs, wasn't it, last season, where he come on late at, at the far post. But um, I always thought we had it in us to to come back from drawing, you know, after the equaliser. But um, the, I, I think I agree with you. Though, like, I mean, we always have our own man of the match at the end when we're walking up to the pub after the game. And there's been a couple of names already mentioned, but I thought Joe Gomez had a good game at right back because I don't think anyone can play the Trent role, if that's what you want to call it. I think the only one who can play the Trent role is Trent. But there were times today that Joe Gomez come inside and supplemented the attack. He was going into midfield. I thought he had a good game today, Joe Gomez. He's another one who, for some reason, gets the pelters whenever Liverpool have a, you know, a bad period in the game. It's always him who gets it. But I thought all in all, I agree with Ben, that the legs in the midfield give us the platform then to, to do the closing down. I thought Diaz grew into the game as well. Certainly McAllister grew into the game second half. He was far better. Um, and it was capped by that pass that he put in for Nunes for the second goal. Brilliant pass and a brilliant finish. But I think all round, I think there was some really good displays today. So, Tom, we come out, you know, at the start of the second half, you know, one each, you know, we're, we're attacking the cop, and I have to say that I thought from from the the first whistle in the second half until he walked off to a standing ovation, I thought Curtis Jones was absolutely magnificent. Some of the closing down he did within in that second half was just unbelievable, and and I I, I just I just can't believe what Pete said there that there was people. You know, after the game, questioning his performance because basically he only got taken off because he basically run his race. I thought that the effort, and I thought he was the catalyst really for the for the improvement and the up, the lifting of the pace in the second half. Him, so Bosley, I who again I have to say was absolutely magnificent. And after the first, you know, the first sort of fifteen minutes where Macca sort of struggle to get to the pace of the game and get in the game. I thought McAllister had his best game for us as well. Um, so what did you make of you know, Curtis Jones's performance in the second half from your vantage point there from from Keegan Towers? I thought he was I thought he was brilliant overall, you know, Les. I thought his his overall game, he's improved so much, that lad. He's so confident on the ball, isn't he? And he's pressing. I thought that's what I, I, I wrote something that I wrote something towards halfway through and I, I said, you know, Curtis and McAllister are pressing, really pressing and it's getting closer to you know, like to the number ten where you know like where they were they were closing him. He's a good player by the way. You know, um Ben mentioned him before. Paquetta. And, um Paquetta, yeah, he had a, he had a brilliant game. But like I think they, they worked it out Liverpool that, that that two of them started going in tandem and that's when they started to win it, do you know what I, as I keep saying it's it's a work in progress our midfield isn't it you've got three really well you've got more than three you've got about five or six really talented players who've not really gelled as a unit it, they're only like six games into a season and like all of a sudden you can see signs that do you know like it's gonna be some some midfield, isn't it? I thought, thought Curtis was outstanding. I totally agree with you about him drawing his race. He was he was done in in the end, and you know then that brings me to the strength of the squad. You know you take Curtis off and you bring Gravenbach off on and Gravenbach on. You take you take Diaz and Nunes off and you bring Jota and Gapko on. It must be soul destroying. West Ham run themselves into the ground and I think that was more to do with Liverpool's domination in the second half was because of how hard they'd worked chasing shadows, you know, for most of the game. I think, yeah, I noticed that, I, I looked at, I never really, because at the match you watch the game totally different, 
watching it on there and they give you the stats at the end of the game. You know, when they, when you, and I was, I was surprised at the stats. 700, I think it was 764 passes Liverpool had and he completed 690 passes. They had seven shots on target compared to West Ham's four. And even though we say West Ham had lots of the ball, apart from the, the couple of Bowen, the Bowen chances, the goal he scored, the header that, that he, the, he missed in the second half and and like uh, and Antonio's one and Allison saved. He didn't really have a great deal else, really. You know, they had lots of the ball and he played really, really well. And I think West Ham are a good side and he'll shot an awful lot of teams this season. But I think we grew into the game. Uh, you, you feel really, really hopeful. You, know, you can see something special in this side. This side is a it's gonna be a great, great side, you know. Ben. Um, in the second half there, you know, we we were sort of knocking at the door and Nunes, who I thought was exceptional all afternoon, some of his link-up play and hold-up play was a joy to behold, I thought. And then he had that chance and I thought, I thought he was a little bit unlucky um, with the one that just scraped the outside of the post where Salah played him. But he had to hit it first time and it would have been a hell of a goal if it had gone in, but it just sort of hit the outside of the post. And then a, a fa fantastic ball by McAllister and an equally fantastic finish by Nunes put us deservedly 2-1 up. So what did you think about the performance of Nunes today? And, and you know, I just think, I, mean, I don't know whether you agree, but I just think it bodes well going forward that he be, he's becoming now a more all-round player and not just the the chaos maker that he was he was sort of christened last season. Yeah, definitely. It's something again that I was talking about after the game. He's looking more and more like a Liverpool player now, isn't he? Whereas last season he was a bit like I wouldn't say a headless chicken, but he I don't think he was trying too hard either, but he was just played out of position a lot and just he did well last season. I think the the problem that we had is that everybody compared him to Haaland, and that's just unfair because Haaland's just a one-off at the moment, isn't he? But if you look at his goals ratio last season, goals to minutes and stuff like that, it was really good. And he gets by, not so much by Liverpool fans, but all of the fans, he gets labelled as a flop because he cost a lot of money. They always seem to say he cost the best part of 100 million quid, which he didn't, did he? But that's irrelevant now. He just looks more and more comfortable in his surroundings. And he's definitely a cult hero, isn't he? Like the, the reception he gets from the cop. You know, he's, he's definitely the cop's favourite player at the moment. Head and shoulders above everybody else. There's definitely like a connection there. He's almost like what it was like for Robbie Fowler, that kind of connection with a local lad. And he, he seems to have come in and for a lad who doesn't speak English, he seems to have bonded well with the cop. But I think it's because of how, you know, he, he never he never gives up anything, does he? He's always there and he never lets his head drop. And that chance, I didn't realise I hit the post. I'm the, I must be the other side of the cop to you, Les, because I just thought he fluffed it. Because um, I, I thought it, it toeyed it. And he just went miles wide. But I think that sums him up. Like he, he'll he'll have a brilliant chance, miss it, but it doesn't deflect from him. It doesn't deter him. He still gets in that position. What a ball from McAllister! I really like McAllister. I think he's got huge potential at Liverpool. And I know he started out slow and he he looked awful against Wolves because he played in Bolivia, didn't he? Um, basically, pitch on the moon or wherever how high it is. Um, but I think he's a cracking player. I, I really do. And I think him and Sabosley, I mean, there's no point. We don't want to excite Pete too much about talking about Sabosley. <laughs> um, but like the pair of them, they, they, they look like they, they've they got a, a wavelength, don't they? You know, they, they look good together. And I think the, the exciting thing about McAllister is we still haven't seen him in his best position, have we? Because he's not a number six, but he's played there and he's, he's done it relatively well. Um, but going back to Nunes, and I've said this before on this pod, that before the, the, the season started, I didn't think he'd be in our first choice team, but he definitely is now. 
definitely. Um, and I, I just think he looks like he's fit to wear the number nine shirt. Yeah. Pete, your mate got mentioned there, so I had to come over there and, and say to you about supposedly I you know, he makes their cow look lazy, doesn't he? Because you know <laughs> Boz is still going, you know, the same in the ninety six minutes as he is in the first minutes. There's no sort of there's no slowing down. There's no loss of energy. In fact, I actually think if he if he was entered representing Hungary in the in the Olympic marathon, he'd win the gold medal because he'd and he'd, he'd go down to do it again for the second time. But he, he's just he's just a magnificent footballer, isn't he? You know, and it's a joy, it's a joy to go to watch him play at Anfield, sort of, and the way, just the way he holds himself, and I just think that he's he's the catalyst, I think, for this team. And I know, I know, you know, we, we wind you up about because you give him man of the match every week, but I know where you're coming from because it's really difficult not to give it to him because of you know the way, the way he just holds himself on the pitch. Yeah, I might surprise you later on. You know, with the man of the match, you don't know yet. You're only going to do that though to sort of prove that. No, you don't no. Do I, had, I had my man of the match as I say. <laughs> we, we walk up to the pub after the game, and I, it might raise a few eyebrows. My man of the match, but I've got reasons for picking whoever to do. Okay. But I just thought the midfield as a unit dovetailed really well. I noticed a few times that when. When McAllister went further forward, Soboslai or even Kersis would go into that number six. And it just seems to be so fluid at the moment, that midfield. We, you know, And the other thing I was saying at the game was we seem to trust one another. Sometimes you see balls that are getting played out from defence and they're getting played into, into feast with players on them. And yeah, I know a couple of times you're going to get caught. I know McAllister, as I say, was caught early on a couple of times. Uh, and lost possession, but generally we're zipping the ball about and we look so fluid in that midfield. We really do. And as I say, they, they all seem to know if one goes forward, someone compensates and drops in. And as I say, even when Joe Gomez was supplementing the attack today when he was doing the the you know, the as everyone calls it, the uh the Trent role, but I'd like, you know, the inverted fullback. I think everyone seems to know now what their job is and, and they know one another's jobs as well. So they know if if someone goes bombing on or someone goes out of position, there's always somebody there to drop in or to, to, to go forward if need be. But I think the midfield, like Ben was saying, it, and yourself, it's starting to look so good, that midfield. And that's also allowing for people who, you know, personnel. You know, we haven't spoken about Thiago, I don't think, all season, have we? You no. know, and, and there's other players that can come in. Uh, Gravenberch, you know, can come in, even Gakpo in times, you know, he, he necessarily a forward, he can drop into that sort of role between the, the lines as as the technic, you know, technical lads like to call it. But I, I'm, I'm with that. I think if we're not firing on all cylinders now, Christ help teams when we start because we're going to take some teams to pieces, you know what I mean? And I just think it's a joy to watch at the minute. As I say, we we went the game and watched the games last season and it was a struggle, but my God, we're starting to make up for that now. Tom, Ben touched on it before and I think you did as well. You know, the, the, the depth of the squad we've got now. So, Curtis has run his race as we, we both came and deservedly got a standing ovation. And, you know, Grav comes on for, you know, for Curtis. And then, about five minutes later or so, we then get Jota and Gakpo ready and take off you know, Nunes and uh, Diaz. And it's just like, I thought, all the subs today and then later on, you know, with about five minutes ago, Maka goes off and is replaced by Endo. And I thought that every substitute that come on today, again, did the job. There was no, there was no like drop-off in quality or anything. It was just like more of the same. And then, you know, from... Everybody thought, you know, we needed another goal to put the game to bed. And then, you know, we, we get one from a set piece with a lovely header by Virgil and Jota does what he's probably the best of our forwards at doing is just read where it was going to drop and move quicker than defender and, and put it in the in the back of the net. And 
you know, he's a he's a Robbie Fowler, Kevin Keegan type player like when he does that. And I just thought, you know, again, it just shows you what Jürgen can do, you know, when he's got decent tools to use to you know, to to put on and, and, and replace other tools that are that are tiring or just or just need replacing to change the, the flow of the game. So what did you make of the, the substitutions and the you know and, and the rest of the game, Tom? I think the substitutions, like I like I said earlier, when you when you bring it off, it's quite it must be quite demoralizing if you if you've run yourself ragged as a, as a team trying to press and trying to you know get close to these players when they, they take them off and replace them with absolute quality and it it it, it is what you know what it's not a shock that teams now are starting to think well if we go a goal down if we, if we go a goal up here these can come back and score two or three goals which we're more or less doing literally every week and 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 you know it must it's a mental thing, isn't it? It's, you play teams, and these teams who, who come, how do you set up, Les, with the quality that you've got? You know, because you can, you know, Ben made an interesting point. He said, like, Nunes can, in comparison to Haaland, and I, and I think, and I think and Haaland is a, is a monster in front of goal, but he touches the ball, might, might be nine times in a game. Nunes, as you indicated before, was was chasing back, defending. He was winning the ball. He was playing balls inside out. He was getting into goal scoring chances. He's more, he's more a complete player, isn't he? I, I, I think. But I think he'll score his fair amounts of goals. But I see this squad at the moment, like what what I said the other day. Me and you commented and straight after and said you thought I. You look at this team. And this team is at 70, we say about 75% at its capacity. You look and you think, there's so much room for improvements. And that's a terrifying thought that you look at this side and you're thinking, this side is going to get better. It, it, it's getting better by the month. You know, it, it must be demoralising for teams to actually look and think, we've got to play these. If we go bombing on, and attack them. These are going to rip you to pieces on the break. You know, like uh, you, you, uh, what you were talking about, Sabozlai. He's the catalyst between. Uh, I don't understand what Peter means about him, and we joke with Peter about about Sabozlai's his son. But like, <laughs> it, he's actually. He, you can see it, can't you? He's Jedidesque. He, he's De Bruyne esque. He, he has that quality, which you look and. Very few players possess that quality, do they? You know, and you, and you think, God, it, we it, it's frightening, you know. As I even at the start when we were all saying, you know, and I, and I was saying, well, if if they gel this side, you know, we could go really close and we could really challenge. Do you know what I, I said to the lads today? If this Liverpool side is anywhere near the top, come the end of February. And the run of games that Liverpool have got from the end of February to the end of the season, I tell you what, we're going to be really, really close this season. Because, and I include Manchester City in this, we will, no one will want to play Liverpool as long as our players stay fit. Yeah. Ben, you know, we, we've touched on Sir Bosley idea, you know, and how good that we all think he is. But he's going under the radar, isn't he, in the media? You know what I mean? You're not getting you're not getting the hype from the media about supposedly his performances. Like you get from every Liverpool supporter you speak to. You know, they go on and say, you just have to mention his name and they say, Wow, what a player he is. You know what I mean? But it's very understated, isn't it, in the media, which I like. Because I don't like it when they they overhype our players, they can overhype players at other clubs if you like like at the minute you know Madison's getting it at Tottenham you know what I mean he's the one that he's the darling and you know Bruno Fernandes is a darling of the media you know what I mean the way they go on about about some of the things he does but Sabozla is just an all-round quality footballer and you know once the media get onto it then 
that that's the time where I'll start to worry a little bit because it'll pick the the ears of the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona and you know teams like that. But the good thing for me is that he sort of loves it here. He wanted to come to Liverpool, even though he's a Hungarian. You know, Liverpool seems to have been the one club that he wanted to play for. And the other thing that amazes me when when I watch the Bosley I play is that with Kevin De Bruyne being like thirty one now. You would have thought that Pep, especially after he'd signed Haaland, it would have been all over him, especially with the release clause as well, which would have been nothing to City. And I'm so glad that um, that Mason Mount was a greedy so-and-so. Chelsea stuck to the guns with the price they wanted, so Liverpool walked away. And for me, they've got a, a player that's, that Mason Mount is fit to, to lace his boots. Mm-hmm. It's funny, isn't it? The um the way it's worked out. Because at the start of the summer, I really wanted us to sign Mason Mount. Because he, he always seems to do well against us. Um and I do think he's a good player. I think United will have a good player there, but he's not fit to to lace Sabos Lies Lou uh boots. Um put it this way. I don't think there's many players in the league I'd swap. For him, you know, De Bruyne for me is the reason why City have beat us twice by a point. You know, you take him out of their team. If you would have swapped um, Jordan Henderson or any of our midfielders, really, for him, I think we would have won the league rather than City twice. Um, I think he's the the difference. And you're right, he it was reported in the media after we signed him that Pep was looking at it, supposed like to be. Kevin De Bruyne's replacement, and you can see why, can't you? Um, I said on the podcast in the week, it's hard not to get excited, and I'm trying not to. You don't want to overhype these players, but everything I've seen of him, you think, Christ, what a player he is. And like my dad was joking today, saying, oh, um, we've finally got a, a replacement for Hendo. <laughs> and he, he was, he was tongue-in-cheek. And I you said, know what, though, Les? I disagree, I disagree with what you say about, about- the media not on answer to Bosley because mm. you listen to managers talk and they're the they're the players that they, he's more more worried about. Everyone you know, everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows the qualities that he possesses. I think it's other fans that you're talking about. But even when we were watching the Newcastle game, they were raving about the danger man in Bosley. So I think I think. I, I think everybody knows who he is and knows the quality that he has. And I Newcastle think were after him, weren't they? Tom? Where they were, yeah. And also yeah. as well, what you said about um, about for Mason Mount. Did we ever really have an interest in Mason Mount? Everybody's telling us all season that Liverpool were interested in Mason Mount. But like, um, you know, you know yourself. What 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 goes on? Who Liverpool wants, Liverpool will go after. Won't be really. And I think, I think we, I agree. I think, I think he's probably, and I think he'll be here for quite a while. By the way, Les, I, I think he he gets the place, and I think he understands Klopp. I think, yeah. I think we we've, we've got a cracking player there. I think the thing I think about him is he's come to us when we haven't got Champions League, and to me that says a lot. Like I mean, it would have been easy for, it. and I, I reckon it probably did happen. I, I reckon a few players would have turned around to to us this season and went, "No, I'm going to go to a team in the Champions League." Which, if you've got no connections to Liverpool, then fair enough, you can't really argue with it. But for the players that we've signed this season, they've come anyway, and you know we all know how good of a club we are. <laughs> you know that we don't need to sell ourselves, do we? Um, you know we are Liverpool, and our history tell us every player what they need to know and you know we've got one of if not the best manager in the world so but for Sabozlai to come to us now I think you're right I, I think he will be here for a while and you know you don't you don't want to you don't want to jump the gun too much but you look at the way he plays and he's the captain of Hungary at 22 I think he was a captain when he was 20 um, and you you think the way he's playing the way he you wouldn't rule out if, he, if he's here for a few years that he'll take over the captaincy from from Van Dijk, I mean, I'm sure Trent will get it, but you know, he's that kind of character, isn't he? he looks like a a born leader for us. Yeah, he, he's, he's not. Not he's not. Not 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 
not just today at the match, but at all the games I've been to this season, the number of people, different people, we've said that lad's a Rolls Royce. That's how good he is. He just he just pairs, doesn't he? When he when he's on on off, not just on the ball, but off the ball as well. You know, he he, he does the closing down. He does some of the dirty stuff, but. He's just, I think there was an incident, it was at the Wolves game where he chased back about 70 yards to get a tackle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like what we've been missing in midfield for so yeah. long. It, you know, without sniping at the likes of Fabu and Hendo that's gone, we all agreed we need legs in that midfield. And this lad just goes like Les was saying from first whistle to last. And he's, he could probably still go on for another, another game. He could probably yeah. play another game after that, you know. <laughs> he's that fit and he's that good but as I say it's um, just something else you, you touched on and I'm going to throw a name at those who are old enough to remember Ben won't remember this lad but you mentioned Jossa and he reminds me of John Walk in a way was John Walk yeah yeah, yeah. he would just Leap be on ball. the end of things I saw John Walk score a hat-trick once and he did nothing else in the game yeah, and I mean, Jossa, Jossa just knows to where to position himself, and he it's come good. on as nice as he did, and he just knows where to go. You know, it could have had a second as well, couldn't he, Les? Yeah, good block. It was a good yeah. block. From the but just saying there, Pete, you mentioned John Walk there, and you you know, you talk to Liverpool supporters of our age who, who watch John Walk play, and they'll all sort of say the same thing. You know, well, you know. He was pretty disappointing at Liverpool, John Wall, and yet he was a midfield player. And in one season, he scored 31 goals. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, 30, 30, imagine a 31 goal to midfield, and people are saying he was disappointing. So, he was the man who played soonest, Les. Well, yeah. I, I, went, I went down to Watford for his debut. I, I went to Watford, not for him. I was going to watch us, but he made his debut at Watford, and I think he, he displaced. Craig Johnston for that game. I think Craig Johnston went to the bench. And all the lads on the train were all, God, this bloody John Moore. He scored two goals. We won 2 now. He did nothing yeah. else, but he scored the two goals. Yeah. And that's the type of player he was. Now, I'm not saying Jossa doesn't put a shift in, but it's just his positional sense. Yeah. It's just he knows where to go all the time, Jossa. And he, he's, you know, that that's what he, you know, I know you mentioned Robbie Fowler and stuff like that, but his positional sense. And he, you know, he'll come on to games late in the game, 80 minutes, 75, but he, he just knows where to be all the time, Jota. Anyway, you know, uh, it turned out, you know, a superb, you know, 3-1 victory that's kept the pressure on Manchester City. He'll give us 16 points out of 18 at the start of the season, which, as has been mentioned before, which has been a, a difficult start. So, as you sort of hinted that you might have a shot for us, Peter, they've got, I've got the phone ready to ring Dom up, by the way. So tell <laughs> us who, who, you, who your man of the match is. I thought there were loads of good displays today. I thought Nunes is where crazy. He, he never he never shied away from Zuma. He wanted to have a fight with Zuma at some point. And I, I love that. Um, obviously, we've mentioned the midfield. I thought Joe Gomez had a good, a good game at right-back, got inverted right-back. Um, obviously, Mo the work race that Mo puts in. But I'm going to choose Joel Massey today. And the reason I'm choosing him is because apart from that early header, I thought he played Antonio so well today. He, he was the best defender for bringing the ball out, even possibly more so than Joe. He carried the ball out of defence and started our attacks. But I thought the way he kept... Antonio is a handful, as everyone knows. And apart from that header, I can't remember him. And he actually went off after about 75 minutes. So I thought, well, that was testament to how well Joel Massey played him. So I'm going for Joel. Ben, I'll move to you next. Who is your man of the match, mate? Yeah, yeah. Pete stole my thunder there because I was going to say exactly the same. Um, I thought exactly word for word, as Peter's just said, that bar that header um, that he just mis misjudged, didn't he? Um, early on, he marshaled um, oh God, Antonio really well. I think Antonio plays really well at Anfield, especially. He always seems to do well and he always seems to try and bully our defenders. Um, and I thought Matt stood up strong today because you could see that Antonio Antonio was avoiding 
Virgil van Dijk like the plague and trying to target Matip, but Matip stood up, um, won most of the battles, and I thought he, like Pete said, brought the ball out really well. Um, so yeah, I thought he was the clear man of the match. Tom from Keegan Towers watching on the on the TV. Yeah. Where three, was your There was three players that for me, Les, I thought had, had outstanding games. I thought Curtis. Curtis was brilliant today. I thought overall his work rate and overall just his pressing and the way he grafted all the way through the game. I thought I thought Nunes battled all the way through the game. I thought Sabozlai was 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 immense. He was just he was everywhere, he just done everything that you would expect of him. But I too, I I thought Joel had a brilliant game. I thought what I liked about him, not so much that, you know, what, what you were saying about Antonio, because I, I, th- I think he did marshal Antonio well, but it was his use of the ball, carrying the ball out and out and pushing the midfield further forward. He was just, I thought he had a brilliant game, but I, yeah, I'll give it to Joel, but I, a really honourable mention for Curtis because I think he was very close to doing it today for me as well. Yeah, well, for me, it's a full house. Um, Pete, again, stole me thunder, I thought, as Ben said, word for word, what I thought about Joel Matter today. And again, you know, it was, you know, there was, you know, honourable mentions there for Joe Gomez, for Nunes, and for Sabozliai. And also, you know, for that save from Alisson, that should never forget. If that goes in, you know, you're chasing the game, you know, from early doors. But Joel was just superb today. Justified his selection. Verti never put a foot wrong within the 90 minutes. And we look as though we've got the Joel Matter back from two seasons ago where, you know, he was he was head and shoulders above, you know, anything else in the Premier League apart from Virgil. You know, and I know he's in the twilight years now of his career, but what a performance that was by him. Again, it helps when you've got a, a working midfield, you've got legs in front of him who can help them. Um, because all the defenders were getting pelters last year for you know for, for poor performances. But I, you know, I'd sort of said on the pods that I, I thought he was down to the midfield and such would. I think with that's getting proved right. But yeah, a full house for me and Joel Matter, a well deserved man of the match from the from the poets tonight. Now we move on now to the game in the League Cup on, on Wednesday against Leicester. Now, obviously, there's going to be a lot of changes again. So, do you see, uh, Tom, I'll start with you. Do you see the centre-back pairing of Ibu and Kwanzaa starting on Wednesday? Do you know what? I think there will be a lot of changes, Les, but I think, you know, I, I, I think he'll put a strong team out, similar to what he did in the Europa League. I think we've got that many players who's going to need games. I think, you know, Joss is going to need a game. I think Gatko's going to need a game, you know, because you want them to be uh, to be up and running. I think Gravenberch might start. Harvey Elliott will, will probably play as well. Canati needs a game. I think... Also, I agree with you, Kwanzaa's going to come into the equation. I should imagine Kelleher as well. I'm not sure. After after what's it called the other day, after after Taki's game, I'm not so sure. Costas's game the other day, I think, I, I'm not sure whether he'll give another start, but I think he deserves another start. And Andy might get a rest. But um, it's going to be interesting who he plays at, at right back, isn't it? Yeah, because if if Joel if 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 Trent isn't fit, then you you're gonna ask Joe Gomez to play. I don't think game. Joe Gomez will play there, Tom. I think no. I think it'll probably be Pachetic again, possibly. Yeah. Um, unless if Trent is fit, he might sort of start with Trent. Yeah. Uh, I hope not. Get back in. What do you reckon, Ben? I hope Trent's nowhere near the team on. Wednesday just save him for the the next league game. Um, I think we'll make wholesale changes. I think it'll be very similar to the team in the Europa League, but I don't think Nunes will start on Wednesday. I think it'll be Jota and Gakpo and Doak up front. Um, the right back's an interesting one. I, I think I hope Endo gets a game, whether it's in midfield or right back. Um, 
because I think he definitely needs some minutes as well. I've got no idea what team he's going to put out um, on Wednesday, but to be fair, I don't really care. Like I think Jürgen tends to get these things right, doesn't he? Um, I think the centre-half partnership, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Gomez and Quanter at centre-half, you know. Um, I don't think he can afford to play Gomez though on on Wednesday. I think it just depends how close Trent is, doesn't it? Yeah, but we thought we thought maybe the Trent would be back today, doesn't doesn't it? You know, and even if you know, for me, you know, you, you've got to look, you've got to look ahead and say, right, you know, who do you definitely want to start against Tottenham at the weekend? And you think, well, if Trent, if we assume that Trent's going to be fit, then he has a setback. And we play Joe Gomez, and he gets a knock or something. You know, I, don't know. I think he's the yeah. one. Player, I think he's the one player that you can't afford to start on on Wednesday, in my opinion. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I think the thing about like the position we're in now with the squad is as fantastic as Trent is, and how important he is. We still play really well without him. So it's not like last season where if you know one of our better players comes out and you're thinking, Christ, what are we gonna do here? I'd still I'd still fancy us against Tottenham without Trent. Um Yeah, so, so yeah. I don't want we don't want Joe Gomez to not be available no. from the meters. That's, That's the point really. So Pete, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think there'll be wholesale changes and I think Leicester will make a lot of changes as well. Because they're flying at the moment in the league. They've played ten. They played ten games this season, including cup games. They've only lost one, and they won nine. They're absolutely flying, so I don't think they'll want to jeopardise their league form. Um, so they'll put a lot of second string in as well. Um, but I, I agree with what Ben and, and probably Tom and yourself have said that they're going to assess Trent's condition, um, and they can't take a chance on Joe Gomez getting injured if Trent's not getting close. He might make the bench on Wednesday, Trent, and they might give him 15 minutes at the end or something like that. But it's like Ben just said, it's not like we need to rush him back the way we're playing. We're playing well without him. So there's no real need to panic and rush him back into the team um, when we've got a big game. And as much as, as most football managers will say, they only look at the next game, Liverpool will have one eye on the Tottenham game as well. There's no doubt about that. So I can see it being very similar to the last um, lineup. I think, like you say, Nunes will be on the bench. I think they'll bring Cody in. Uh, Gravenberch will probably start midfield. Uh, it's like Tom was saying, left back. I can, I can see, I can see Costas getting the game. He, he was poor against last, but he, he'll get a game. And I think the one position that we probably can't really second guess Jürgen and his right back, whether it is going to be Endo or whether. Stefan comes in and plays again there. So there'll be a lot of changes, but I think as Leicester will make a lot as well, I think it's a game we should be capable of winning, yeah. Yeah. I think Barbiagas will need the game as well, you know, Les. Yeah. I think yeah. he'll start I think he'll start in midfield with with Hendo and Gravenbach myself. I think the midfield will probably be the same as it was on Thursday. I think, you know, I think we all agree, isn't it? The difficult position to sort of identify. With Connor Bradley still being on the injured list, is who plays at right back. Um, you know, and, and again, the fact that Stefan wasn't on the bench today, I hope there was no sort of reaction to him playing on that awful pitch on Thursday. You know, because if obviously if Stefan, you know, is is fit, then you know I think he will play. He will play there again, um, and it will be interesting to see how he does. You know, at Anfield on a better pitch. You know, again, so yeah, so it's going to be another interesting sort of lineup come sort of quarter seven when the team is announced on um, on Wednesday night to see what Jurgen comes up with. But you know, I certainly, from my point of view, I think that you know all eyes have got to be on the on the Tottenham game, you know, to to sort of make sure that that the team that you put out to Tottenham is as strong as it can possibly be. And don't risk anybody on on Wednesday. It doesn't need to be risked. That's that's my view anyway. So I move to you, Tom, for a score prediction for Wednesday against Leicester. I think Liverpool will win. I think they'll win comfortably about three 0 Okay, Ben. 
Um, I think it depends on what team he goes out with, but I would expect us to win, especially at Anfield. So I'll go for a 2 0. Pete? Yeah, I had, I had 2 0 in my mind prior to Ben. He seems to steal one another's thunder when Ben's on. I say what he's Great minds, great minds. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I fancy us to, to get through, and I'd like to keep a clean sheet, so I'm saying 2 0. Yeah, I, that's three of us going for 2 0. That's the score I had in my mind beforehand. And I just hope that you know, on a decent pitch, the team that, that he puts out, if it is very similar you know, to the one that, that started on Thursday, you know, really goes out and shows what, what they're capable of and really shows that they're ready to push the, the more established players that are in the team for the places because that's all that's all power to Jürgen's elbow to say to them, look, we've got another 11 here. If you, if you don't do the business on the field, I'm ready to take your place. So yeah, it's all very encouraging, and just let's hope that you know we 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 are in the next round of the of the league cup, come ten o'clock on on Wednesday night. On that note, we'll end the latest edition of the LFC Red, Red Poets podcast late flag. And as always, I'll end the show with saying, justice for the ninety-seven. Don't bite the sun, and you'll never walk alone. Thanks for listening. Until next time, see you soon. <laughs>